Accessible Art History, the podcast, Season 11. As mentioned in the trailer, this season will focus solely on women artists. Too often, they've been relegated to the sidelines of art and history. So, I want to feature them and teach you about how they overcame adversity to change the world around them. All images and sources will be in the associated blog post linked in the description details. Make sure to follow at accessible.art.history on Instagram for all updates. So, without further ado, let's get started. Although I discussed this artist in episode 45 of the podcast already, she's absolutely critical to understanding the history of women in art. Frida Kahlo was not only a talented artist, but she brought her Mexican culture to the global stage. I find her utterly fascinating and knew I had to include her in this season as well. In this episode, I'll be able to discuss her entire life and career, not just focus on a single work. So to learn more about Frida Kahlo, keep on listening. Frida Kahlo was born Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo y Calderon on July 6, 1907, in a small village outside of Mexico City. Her father, Guillermo Kahlo, was originally from Germany. He had immigrated to Mexico after his epilepsy ended his college career. Guillermo supported the family with his photography business. Her mother, Matilde Calderon y González, was from Oaxaca and was of both indigenous and Spanish descent. Frida had three sisters, Matilde, Adriana, and Cristina. The family lived together in La Casa Azul in Mexico City. Today, it serves as the home of the Frida Kahlo Museum. In later writings, Kahlo described her childhood as very sad. Her parents had a loveless marriage, and although her mother was sometimes kind, she leaned towards fanatical religious behavior. Money was tight as her father's photography business suffered during the Mexican Revolution. When Kahlo was six, she contracted polio. Although she survived, it caused one leg to be smaller than the other. This led to tensions at school because she was bullied. However, it did allow her to bond with her father over the fact that they both suffered from health issues. Kahlo's school career was a bit all over the place. She went to a few different schools and was homeschooled for a period. However, as a teenager, she was accepted to the prestigious National Preparatory School. It was known for its science program, which was perfect for Kahlo, as she aspired to be a doctor. She was one of the few female students in the school, and it was here that Kahlo became politically active by joining the Young Communist League and the Mexican Communist Party. Sadly, when Kahlo was 18 years old, her plans were derailed. On September 17, 1925, Kahlo and her boyfriend, Arius, were riding a bus home from school. The bus attempted to pass a streetcar, but the two vehicles collided. Several people were killed, and though her life was spared, Kahlo was severely injured. Arius walked away with minor injuries. Warning, this next part is graphic, so you may want to skip ahead a few seconds. In all, Kahlo's pelvic bone had been fractured, her abdomen and uterus were punctured by a rail, her spine was broken in three places, her right leg was broken in 11 places, and her right foot was crushed and dislocated, as well as her collarbone was broken and her shoulder was dislocated. Over her lifetime, Kahlo would have 30 surgeries to try and fix the problems. She would live her life in constant pain, something that she often incorporated into her art. When confined during her recovery, Kahlo began to explore her early interest in art. As a child, she'd been interested in the subject, but had eventually focused more on the sciences when she decided to become a doctor. Now, with time and ordered rest, Kahlo started painting. Her works consist mostly of self-portraits that explore the themes of suffering, loss, and elements of her Mexican heritage. I put a few of them on the blog, and they are fascinating to study. Kahlo poured her heart and soul into these works, and it allows the viewer to know her across time. In June 1928, Kahlo met her future husband, Diego Rivera, at a party. They both ran in the same politically active circles, so it was only a matter of time before they connected. However, it was later discovered that the pair had actually met in 1922 when Rivera visited her school. 
In later writings, Rivera mentioned that her work showed, quote, an unusual energy of expression, precise delineation of character, and true severity. They had a fundamental plastic honesty and an artistic personality of their own. It was obvious to me that this girl was an authentic artist. Soon after they met, they began a relationship. Never mind the fact that Rivera was 20 years her senior, and he already had two common-law wives. Just over a year later, on August 21st, 1929, the pair married in a civil ceremony. Her mother was vehemently against the marriage, but her father was all for it. Rivera was wealthy, and he could support Kahlo in her expensive medical treatments. Due to the group's fame, the marriage became international news. In fact, they became known as a pair, simply Diego y Frida. In the early 1930s, the couple traveled around the United States as Diego's fame spread north. They visited San Francisco, New York, and Detroit. However, Kahlo would not be relegated to the background as simply, quote, the artist wife. She spoke to the press often and even declared herself to be the better artist of the pair. In the mid-1930s, Diego and Frida moved back to Mexico City. They both pursued their art, but Kahlo experienced serious health issues. In early 1935, she discovered that Rivera was having an affair with her younger sister, Christina, this absolutely crushed her, and she moved out of their house. For a while, she considered filing for divorce, but the three eventually reconciled. After this, both Kala and Rivera would have numerous affairs. Kala was openly bisexual and had affairs with both men and women. One of Kala's most famous lovers was none other than Leon Trotsky. She and Rivera had successfully gotten him and his wife asylum in Mexico from Russia. In 1939, Rivera filed from divorce, and Kala moved back into her childhood home, La Casa Agu. This became her most productive period, and it was the time she painted her most famous works. On August 21st, 1940, she and her sister Christina were arrested on the suspicion of being involved with Leon Trotsky's assassination. They were cleared a few days later, but, but the time in jail combined with Kahlo's alcoholism weakened her more than she already was. A few months later, Rivera and Kahlo reconciled and remarried on December 8th, 1940. By the mid-1940s, Kahlo could no longer sit unsupported and had to wear corsets to stabilize her spine. She actually went to New York to try an experimental surgery, but it was a failure and left her in more pain than ever before. After the death of her father, she became more withdrawn and rarely left La Casa Azul. It was at this time that we see her art get darker and more focused on her broken body. Frida Kahlo died on July 13, 1954. The official cause of death was a pulmonary embolism, but there have long been talks of suicide. Kahlo did attempt it before, and it was known to have struggled with depression throughout her life. Regardless, the world lost a true cultural and artistic powerhouse that day. Next, I'm going to dive into Kahlo's artistic style. But first, let's take a quick break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. back, let's dive into Frida's style and influences. There's no doubt that Kahlo and her works were heavily influenced by her introspection. 
Many of her paintings are portraits of herself and loved ones, or solo self-portraits. This is absolutely fascinating as an art historian because we can understand how her mind worked. We can see her love for her husband and family, the respect that she had for her Mexican heritage, the pain from her accident and associated health issues, and finally, the way she saw herself. Only a handful of artists have such a large variety of portraiture that allows us to catch a glimpse into their minds. In fact, Kahlo said, quote, they thought I was a surrealist, but I wasn't. I never painted dreams. I painted my own reality. Another influence on Frida, as mentioned above, was her Mexican heritage. She was passionate about politics as a member of the Mexican Communist Party, and she fought to bring her home into a new era. We also see her respect for her culture and the color palette and choice of clothing she often paints herself in. They are vibrant, just like Kahlo's personality. It is no surprise that Frida Kahlo is considered one of the most influential 20th century artists by many art historians. However, this was not always the case. Throughout most of her life, she was just known as Diego Rivera's wife, and then an artist. It wasn't until later in her life and after death that her works became famous in their own right. In the late 1970s, there was a rise in interest about both female artists and works outside of the traditional Western canon. Combined with the Chicano movement, Kahlo soon became a household name. She would also become an LGBTQ plus icon due to her relationships with both men and women. This rise to fame and popularity is often referred to as, quote, freedomania. This even made its way to the auction block. Her works have smashed records for both women artists and artists of Latin descent. In fact, just a few weeks ago, on November 18, 2021, her self-portrait titled Diego Ello sold for a remarkable $34.9 million. Rita Kahlo is not only an important woman artist, but she's a crucial figure for the non-Western canon. Through her eyes and paintings, we can understand her heritage, her pain, and her life. Make sure to tune in next week for the season 11 finale, when I discuss Lee Krasner. Thank you for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. New episodes will premiere each Monday, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rate and review. Make sure you follow Accessible Art History on Instagram at accessible.art.history for all updates and daily art of the day posts. See you next time.